0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hugan, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. As we begin today's program, I want to ask you, the listener, a very important question. What is the chief characteristic of those who have experienced revival in church history? Whether it be in the time of the Reformation, when Martin Luther was rescued from his morbid introspection by his understanding of Romans 1.16 through 17 for the first time, or in the first great awakening when George Whitfield finally understood the new birth from Henry Schugel's book, The Life of God and the Soul of Man, or when Jonathan Edwards' wife, Sarah, discovered that she was beloved of that great being who made and rules the world. What is the common thread that runs through all of these? And the answer is our assurance of salvation. In all revivals, the chief characteristic of all revivals is that there is an overwhelming sense of God's love and full assurance of salvation accompanied by awe and joy and praise. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, Thomas Brooks, the Puritan, said that assurance of salvation is like heaven on earth. And of course, a lack of assurance can sometimes feel like a hell on earth.
1: Yeah, and, and I would add perhaps another dimension to that. I think it's the same dynamic, but just perhaps another dimension that, that a part of the evidence of the new birth is a passion for the gospel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that we become passionate that others know that we're so overwhelmed with how God, good God has been to us, and this assurance, knowing that we are uh, redeemed and that we're beloved, uh, we want others to know. That's that's just a natural outgrowth. We we become passionate about the gospel. That's right.
0: So let's address uh, some of the ways that we lose assurance. Um, and I I don't pretend to think that there's just one cause. Right. But brothers, what are the co- what are some of the causes of losing our assurance?
1: Well, perhaps I'll just touch on one. Um, I think sometimes, and, and very often, we've just talked about the assurance that comes, um, and it, 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 you gave us a, a very
0: good the happy persuasion that your soul, in your soul, that you are loved by God and saved by Jesus Christ. Yes, that,
1: that is a, that is a wonderful definition, Josh. Um, <clears throat> I think what happens sometimes, and I, I, I'm, I experienced this in my own life, that um, very often when we experience, when we come to Christ in faith and we have an experience of that assurance, for many, many people, maybe for most people, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid describing it as one kind of experience because there's as many different experiences of conversion as there are Christians. You know, God, none of us comes out of a cookie cutter. But very often, that, that coming to Christ in faith is associated with very intense emotion, uh, that there's, there's an overwhelming emotion, there's an overwhelming love for God, there's an overwhelming sense of God's love for me, and that inevitably is going to wane, the, 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 the emotional intensity, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's commitment doesn't wane. The objective part of that never changes uh, because salvation is all God's work. Mm-hmm. It, it was It's his work from start to finish, um, that he calls us to himself, that he regenerates us by the Holy Spirit, that he sent his son to the cross for us, um, all of that is the, wor- the work of God. My emotional response may be very intense at the beginning. Well, that that flame is inevitably going to diminish in its intensity. And so I think very often in, in the journey of a believer, there. why don't I feel that anymore? That feeling is gone. Therefore, then the question is asked, am I really saved? Mm-hmm. And that can lead to doubting one's salvation. Um, And I I would say in in response to that, you weren't saved by your emotions to begin with. There was nothing in the intensity of your emotion that got you saved. It was God's doing. Rest in that.
2: If I was just making a quick list of ways that we can lose our assurance of salvation, naturally sin can do it. Even just having some encounters with some pretty intense temptations makes you mm-hmm. wonder well, I mean, even if you don't um, succumb to those temptations, even the having going through some temptations can cause that. Um, I think certain personalities are actually more inclined to a lack of assurance. I mean, different temperaments right. of, of individuals, especially if you're introspective, um, that's going to be. Um, Uh, A cause for a lack of assurance. I I think you you have um, times where God leads you through different darker providences that can cause you to lack assurance and it might be God's leading you in that direction so that you might have a deeper sense of who he is and experience him um, more fully. And so sometimes I think God and the Puritans used to use a word called desertion um, I, I never really liked that phraseology right. by the Puritans, but it, they would speak of pure, uh, spiritual desertion um, that God uses to to draw people to himself. Um, and so that during those times, those dark nights of the soul, you could have a little bit more of this sense of a lack, lack of assurance. Um, and I, I think sometimes... Hmm. Unfortunately, bad theology causes a lack of of assurance. So, if that was my, that would be my quick short list of of things that I think cause a lack of assurance.
3: I I think that that's correct. You know, when uh, the things that the Westminster divines, used to say that it was that our assurance wasn't infallible and we didn't we didn't have an infallible um sense of assurance you know we can fall from that sense and you do it by sin and temptation and even you know your own spiritual desertion you know from um you know trusting in the lord you know actually the assurance of salvation is a fruit of our justification. It isn't the cause of our justification, it's a fruit, it follows from that. And, and this gift of assurance usually follows saving faith, and yet sometimes Christians find it elusive and um, sometimes there are times when they don't even have it in their own experience. John Calvin said, we cannot imagine any certainty that is not tinged with doubt or any assurance that is not assailed by some anxiety. Believers are in perpetual conflict with their own unbelief. Every Christian might know that experience. You know, yet this lack of assurance leads some Christians to assume that they are counted among the lost, and that's the error that devastates us. Yeah, Um, right. That's what continues—that's like like the, you know— it's like um you know, being in that depression and being in that downward cycle where you just keep going lower and lower and lower and lower you know because of the turmoil turmoil and despair and that's why we have to you know for that uh inward look at ourselves we have to t- take ten looks at the savior yeah yes you yeah. know so i
0: think what's being said clearly here is that yes a christian you can truly be saved and yet lack assurance mm-hmm. so if if you're in a tradition that teaches you know well, unless you have this this full assurance of salvation, you're not saved. That's not true. Right. I mean, just read. You, you, read the saints of the Old Testament. I mean, how many times in the Psalms does the Psalm feel like, I mean, to use the Puritan's quote, like he has been deserted by God. And he cries out. He laments on the pages of the that's Psalms. Right. That's the, right. The praise and lament of the
3: Psalms. Well, you can take it into the New Testament, you know, with the the, the father that was concerned about his a son, where he says to Jesus, I believe, help, help thou my own unbelief. unbelief. You yeah. know, you know, those are honest words, you know, and yeah. there's fewer on, and then, you know, yeah. these are really wonderful, honest words spoken by somebody cry of a person who has faith. He recognizes that his faith is weak and stumbling and frail. It's present, um, but it's mixed with doubts. And, uh, you know, so yeah. Christ recognizes that, um, and, uh, you know, just an ounce of saving faith is what saves us. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's right. not the it's not the amount, the degree, the quality, or the abundance of faith that saves. It's rather it's the object of
0: our faith that has saved us. Yeah, I, th- I think that there's another dimension of assurance too that we haven't really touched on yet. Like a a, a believer might be fully assured that that God has saved them,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but does God actually like me? Is God actually pleased with me? Yeah. Does God um I mean, yeah, he's God. He has to love me now because I'm in Jesus. But does he, right. it, it, Does he have favor towards me? Right, right. That that's the kind of assurance that I struggle with more than the the, yes. the assurance of my salvation. Yes,
1: yeah. The idea that and and to put it in in very almost too blunt terms, that God is perpetually disappointed with me, mm-hmm. um, which is nonsense. Um, the, the the promise is that we and we talked about this on some previous shows. the promise of the gospel is that you are united to Christ. You've been united with him in his death. You, you are united with him in his resurrection. And that means uh, that the word of the Father spoken at the baptism of Jesus is spoken to you as a believer. This is my child, my beloved. In you, I am well pleased. Mm-hmm. Now, do, do, we, do we do things that um, disappoint God? That, that Do we do things that our Lord grieves over it. Yes, absolutely we do, but we can never fall out of it. And this is, and this, once again, uh, do, don't, don't be a victim of bad theology. Right. Uh, don't, don't let your emotions drive the bus on this, uh, right. drive, drive the bus of your soul. Uh, let the promises of God drive the bus. I think
3: this is a, it's important, you know, that you're in a in a church where you actually practice the confession of sins and hear the assurance of pardon. Yes, this is this is part of what uh, Reform worship is about. You know, we we generally hear God calling us um, to examine ourselves, to confess our sins through any no, either the Ten Commandments or any number of the indic- uh, of the imperatives that we read in God's Word. But then what follows uh, on that? with that confession of his sins, those who truly confess their sins, we ought, ought to hear those very words of pardon and encouragement, mm-hmm. yes. that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleansing us of all unrighteousness. And and that happens in, these, in, in that worship service. But also, if you're coming to the Lord's table, if you're coming to a communion, uh, where you have the presentation uh, the visual presentation in the bread and the wine of the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf that as surely as we uh, hold with our hand and taste with our mouth these things we're to understand where as this is truly that our sins are forgiven on Amen. account of Christ that's right. yeah. and and these are something you know that's why we need that those weekly reminders of what God has do, what has God has done because when we're introspective we We're, you know, forgetting is a people thing to do. God will not forget. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we will forget. And so we need those reminders when we come into his house and we get them from the community of believers that way.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's, it just occurred to me, there's another element that we haven't even mentioned yet. And that is there is an enemy of our souls who Mm -hmm. is whispering in our ears uh, a string of lies and his. His, his greatest lie, I mean, if he can't keep us away from Christ, is to is to keep us uh, <laughs> is to keep us so uh, in, in, wrapped up in ourselves and, and twisted in on ourselves that we're ineffective for Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. But he's constantly the evil one is constantly whispering in our ear. Well, yes, God loves others, but not you, yeah. and your sins are just a little too great. Mm-hmm. And y- yes, but God is really disappointed in you. And, you know, th- those lies go on and on and on. You're, you're not useful to him, you you've, no. He's a liar, He's, mm-hmm. Jesus called him the father of lies. Believe the promises of God.
3: Absolutely.
2: There's some great verses at the end of Zephaniah where after this, all the judgment that's coming on the nation because of sin, God explains to him, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love he will exult over you with loud singing. I love that. And so the picture in God's word of, of God, how he relates to his people that are sinners, is that he rejoices over them with loud
0: singing. Amen. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.